This is Joe Basso for Music Radar, the place for music makers, and I'm speaking with Joe Troman, the guitarist for the band Fallout Boy. Joe, how you doing? Good, how are you, Joe? I'm very good. So, <laughs> the new record is called, uh, help me with the pronunciation, because my French is bad. Folie my a- French is bad, too. It's folie à deux. That's right. Which, yeah. uh, which means a madness shared by two. But, yes. But I'm curious, there's four of you. Yeah, I think, like, um, you know, it doesn't literally have to be a madness shared by two. You know, it's obviously, it's a, it's a medical term, uh, a psychiatric term, about just uh, people's, uh, people who are uh, crazy, and when they get together, their psyches kind of, like, enhance each other's, not necessarily always in a positive way, right. um, but they kind of change each other's craziness and kind of make them even a little more crazy and i think that can be applied to our band as far as like we're all kind of four bizarre crazy guys that when we get together we really affect each other's personalities and craziness and our psyches it's interesting you mentioned that because you actually started the band is that correct yeah how did that come about well basically before this um i had met Pete a few years before the band started and I was a pretty young guy, I was like 16 and Pete thinks like four or five years older than me, so he's like 20 or 21. And uh, so I was like still in high school, I met him and uh, we were hanging out, he was doing a hardcore band. He had asked me if I could fill in for uh, the bass player on a tour. Right. So I did it, it was like I just went right for it, so I just delved into the world of touring and kind of got like initiated in through that and that band broke up pretty much right after and I've been trying to start a band for a while. I've been trying to start heavy bands, and it just didn't really work out. I didn't really get what I was doing. I'll be quite honest. And um, right. so, you know, I asked Pete, I'm like, yo, do you want to, like, do a band, but do you want to not do a heavy band? Because at the time, uh, the hardcore scene in Chicago was having a lot of, there's a lot of, like, just negative, thuggish attitudes at that point in time. Exactly. And the camaraderie that was once there was totally just seemed to be abolished. So we decided kind of just to do something musically that was based off of bands that kind of, like, made us feel really happy that we grew up listening to like you know green day and the descendants and uh you know all sorts of just you know punk rock you know even like screech and weasel good chicago pop band right there yeah yeah pop punk band so uh, we uh kind of started that we had no idea who we were going to get for the rest of the band so while that thing was kind of getting together i went to um a borders books in the suburbs where my parents lived and i i was with some friend of mine at the time we were perusing through the music section and he fell upon uh, a neurosis, I forget what neurosis record, but a neurosis record. And he's asking me about neurosis. And I was about to tell him, all of a sudden this guy chimes in, just this, this random guy. Now I thought this guy, he looked, I, I saw him earlier from the back and I thought he was this dude that I totally was weirded out by that I knew from somewhere. <laughs> so I was like, I gotta avoid this guy. Turned out to be Patrick, who I didn't know at that time, but I was happy it wasn't who I thought it was. And he chimes in and he's like, oh, neurosis is a sludge metal band, blah, blah, blah. And all of a sudden, we just start talking, and we just start talking about music for like ever. And start, and you know, we're both from, uh, you know, Patrick and I, or um, and Pete as well. We're all from you know the similar air, similar areas, you know, north side of Chicago. So we're talking about just kind of like the local scene and just talking about music in general. And then I mentioned to him I was doing this band with Pete, and I was like, you know, we need a uh, singer, we need a drummer, maybe even a second guitar player. And he's like, I could do all that. <laughs> I'm like, oh yeah, really? Either way. I could tell I liked the dude a lot. We hit it off. He gave me like his number, his email address. I don't even know if he had an email address at that time, actually. But he gave me his number. And then uh, at that point in time, um, there was mp3.com. 
that still existed and he had a little music up on that website of him just singing and playing guitar i heard it and i'm like you can sing you can sing really well so i played it for pete he was a little skeptical but it was like a bad demo or whatever and so we went over to patrick's house we went to his uh, parents house patrick played i think Pete is like, play some Saves the Day or something like that. And he played like Saves the Day through being cool the entire way through on acoustic guitar and sang it. And Pete right there was convinced. So from, from there, we had the three members. Then we went through a lot of kind of different drummers and uh, second guitar players that just didn't really vibe or work out. And then finally, we always knew Andy from uh, Milwaukee because right. the Chicago and Milwaukee hardcore scenes are very tight and very interlinked. So I always knew Andy, but he was doing like three bands at once. It's really hard to get a hold of them. Then one day we just like, Pete just like uh, set up this, he, he got somebody to set up this tour. We're like struggling to find a drummer. We asked Andy if he would fill in. He came and practiced with us and it would just like fit. It was the perfect vibe. And Andy was like, all right, I'm going to stop doing the other stuff. I'm going to do this band. And it's pretty much been it. Now, was the template of the band established early on? That is Patrick writing the music and Pete writing the lyrics. Was, was that pretty much established? With that first record, Evening Out With Our Girlfriend, which is like such an, a mishmash, it's such like a hodgepodge of like whatever, there was like some of like Pete writing music, some of like me and Patrick writing music. Patrick wrote a lot of the lyrics or some of the lyrics on there. Pete wrote some of the lyrics. By Take Us to Your Grave is when we kind of like figured out like places where it's like by that point in time, Pete was writing most of the lyrics, Patrick was writing most of the music. You know, I was coming in and writing parts and writing ideas, and uh, you know, Andy was doing his thing. You know, coming up with all like the you know, helping out the arrangements, kind of jazzing up the songs drum wise. Right. And basically, just kind of like changed more and more, and then we all kind of figured out like who fits best doing what. It's always been like a fairly collaborative effort, even though like, you know, it starts out now. It really starts out with lyrics. Patrick takes the lyrics, he constructs the songs, he brings the songs to me and Andy. Once uh, Patrick and Andy have kind of figured out the arrangements, the songs are brought to me, and I sit there and I layer guitar parts and guitar parts ideas, lead, different kinds of leads, different kinds of background stuff. I really think, like, for Fall Out Boy, a thing that, like, helped me at the beginning was, like, I always listened to a lot of SNES, and I always admired how, like, mm. with Johnny Marr, he's such a great guitar player in the way... I mean, he's a great guitar player, but especially in the way where, like, he does so many amazing, like, background things that you don't really notice, but, like... If they weren't there, I don't know if, like, the songs would sound the same at all, you know, like, right. with certain things he does. And I think that's, like, kind of an aspect that like, I took with Fall Out Boy as far as throwing in a lot of, like, cool background things and a lot of cool bells and whistles. And on this record especially, it was, like, I wrote, like, a lot, a lot of, like, leads, a lot of, like, harmony parts, a lot of just cool ideas that all made it on the record. I was really excited about Talk to me about the production of this new album. You're working again with Neil Avron, who's done most of your records. You did a couple cuts on the last record with Babyface, but Neil does the whole album this time around, right? Yeah, we did one song with Pharrell. Okay. Um, that was kind of like a collaborative thing with Pharrell. Otherwise, it was all Neil, and Neil mixed the entire record, which Neil's uh, such a great mixer, and plus he just knows he knows how things should sound. He's like, when it comes to... Uh, making a Fall Out Boy record, Neil kind of comes in as like the fifth member of the band, not in a way where he's like dictating or telling us what to do or anything, but I mean, 
his ideas count just as much as everybody else's. His opinions matter just as much as everybody else's when it comes to making records. Right, right. And it fits really well. He just makes sense of the band. Um, as far as like the like production of it, I mean, basically it started with Patrick going to, you know, Patrick, after he got the lyrics and, you know, started coming up with demos, would go to Neil's and start demoing out with Neil. I would like stop by and kind of listen to stuff and throw in ideas and just kind of get an idea. Like the more I would listen to stuff and get an idea of what was being put together, then I'd also be able to come up with like my own ideas, just like in my head and lay down ideas like on GarageBand on my computer. So then when I, when I get like real demos to play around with, I'd really like have a million ideas ready to go so already by then. So does the whole band use GarageBand for doing demos or just you? Uh, Patrick uses GarageBand to demo out all the songs. As far as like with Fall Out Boy, I'll use GarageBand as well to like demo all my ideas over the de- you know, over his demos. And also when I'm like anything I write on the side for fun or for any other projects, I'll demo on the side. What What do you like about GarageBand? It's easy. You can get like really good tones. You can get stuff that just makes sense as far as for demos go. You know, you can throw, you can construct a demo very quick and very easily on there. It's it's very user friendly for like anybody you know i mean i i've used pro tools and i can use pro tools logic i, I you know logic's just a little more advanced garage band but garage band's so simple and you can get great sounds out of it where do you okay. actually have your setup do you have it in your bedroom i just have it like on my laptop mostly just because i travel so much so it makes sense for me like my base is really off of my laptop like as far as like you know obviously i back up all my files on an external hard drive yeah, I mean, I just travel around with my laptop. I have um, this kind of like guitar cable to eight to like eighth inch like plug in, so I can plug straight into plug like the, the guitar straight into the computer, and I just bring up all like the virtual tones on there. And then uh, you know I'll do the same with plugging in a bass. And then as far as like drums and stuff go, you know, just program uh, fake drums, the you know, MV drums on there, which is what Patrick does as well. So do you guys trade files and then you know, put your parts on there and? Yeah, I mean, basically what it is is like. Patrick will, like, you know, when he demos out the song, he'll send me an MP3 file of it, basically, just a compressed file. And I can just drag the file straight into GarageBand. So it's already, like, mixed the way he mixed it. And then I can just kind of, like, demo my parts over it. And I'll mix them loud just so he can hear everything. (laughs) But that's not how it gets. It doesn't get mixed, obviously, that loud when, like, in the final product. When you guys recorded infinity on high there was probably some added pressure because cork tree did so well but infinity didn't do quite the numbers that cork tree did so did you feel did you feel an added added pressure on this one then you know we didn't really even feel the added pressure on infinity and i think like there's a lot of factors as to why infinity didn't didn't you know do close to three million it did like a million and a half closer to two maybe by now i'm not really I haven't checked the numbers lately, but because From Under the Cork Tree was really like, that was really the record that we felt like we had to prove ourselves as far as going from independent to a major label. Right. With, it, with Infinity, we didn't feel that pressure necessarily, and as far as like it not selling as well, I think partly that had to do with the uh, turmoil within the music industry. Right. I think a lot of people's record sales were affected that way, and plus it's definitely, you know, harder for a rock band to uh, do well. I think it still was, uh, we still very much succeeded with that record. Yeah, yeah. And um, we don't feel necessarily the pressure with this. We, we love the record. We're very proud of it. We think the songs are great. 
you know, uh, some of the aspects as far as to how a record sells has to do with timing and singles and things like that. And, you know, we may have missed the boat on some of that with Infinity on High, and, you know, hopefully we won't do it this time around. With the band's lives going in so many different directions, you know, Patrick is kind of spreading out a little bit more as a songwriter. Pete's off marrying Ashley Simpson and becoming a Hollywood star and whatever. Does it feel like it's harder to be a band, the band that you guys were when you started several years ago? No, not really. I just think, like, within the band, we, knew, we like, we're still great friends, and we still love doing the band, and the band is the first priority for everybody. So even though like we all do things on the side, we're all able to focus our energy back on our on our, on our main project on Fall Out Boy, and it's very important to us. And once we're with, once we're back together and we're functioning as a band, it doesn't really feel that different. It just seems that way on the outside. So the overall band vibe is still good, and you guys. It's are... good. It's probably better than it used to be. Actually, everyone's kind of grown up and. Everyone has gone off and done things on the side, which I think have made us better people, and some of us have become better musicians from it, and some of us have just learned things that we can apply to the band. The album is very dense production-wise, and the arrangements are quite dense and chaotic, which is kind of a Fall Out Boy trademark, really. Yeah, there's a lot of... Some of the, some of the songs are like a hundred tracks of things, you know? However, you do have one song called I Don't Care. Yeah which is a great riff, and the song is, is, for a Fall Out Boy song, is very, very simple. It's one of the more simplistic ones on the record, actually. The riff, which is killer... Thank you. There's a slight tip of the hat to uh, that old song, Spirit in the Sky. Yeah, that's the thing that, like, we keep getting, and the thing I think that people forget... I'm not saying that in the best way, either. Yeah, you know. I, I mean, like, I mean, we don't take it as a, as a you know, as, as, in any offense, you know what I mean? I'm... I think like that's way more. It's way more of a tip of a hat to like John Lee Hooker, you know, okay. to, like as, as as it being a classic. It's a very classic blues riff, you know, uh, or even you know, even if you want to get a little more contemporary, more of a tip of the hat to ZZ Top. I mean, like, right. Right. so I mean, we meant that riff in, in the most basic, in the most rudimentary of, of blues. But I mean, obviously, there's sins going on behind it, which I think like. Are very int- are, are very uh they give it a, a, a very different dynamic you know and it comes off it comes off a little more uh maybe glam that way a couple of years ago you and i were talking and you said that you felt like you intentionally held back uh your guitar yeah. playing on fallout boy records again on this record it feels like you're holding back i mean truthfully i wish i heard a little bit more guitar on a lot of these tracks you know how do you reconcile yourself with that I feel like there is more guitar stuff on this record. I feel like there's definitely more lead stuff, and I feel like there's kind of cooler, a little more intricate things and, you know, more complicated and just different things that haven't been on Fall Boy Records previously. I think sometimes you have to listen a little harder. I don't know. I think within the realm of Fall Boy, there isn't necessarily room guitar-wise sometimes to go totally off. There isn't... Every song doesn't have a devoted part for a guitar solo... Um, or, you know, an instrumental jam. I think, uh, you know, a lot of what Fall Boy is is, is, is is so based around lyrics, it's based around vocals, so there has to be a lot of room for that. It's sometimes the guitars can fight with the vocals, so it's, it's, a, it's, it's a hard dichotomy to... Uh, it's, 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 it's just very hard to, to, to work on sometimes, you know? Sometimes you have to forego the killer queen guitar idea for the vocals. 
There are a couple tracks, though, where you uh, you get a chance to open up. Uh, there's a song called, Unless You Guys Change the Titles, which you're famous for doing at the last minute. <laughs> um, but the titles that I have, um, there's a song called 27. Yeah, that you... one's got a lot of cool guitar stuff yeah. in it. Yeah, and, and, and it's a harmonized solo, too, right? Yeah, it's um, I come in with the harmony halfway through, and then there's also, at the end, there's a very cool, like, kind of queen arpeggiated build that goes along with that uh, kind of drum fill, which I think is really cool. There's like a lot of little bursts of guitar stuff on this record. There's a song, uh, Hurry, right. on there that during the uh, the bridge, there's like a really quick, cool jazz lick in there. Right, right. There's like just, there's just like little things that like, I mean, so in a way I did get to do some of that stuff, you know, I just didn't get to, you know, it's not like, I mean, there's bands that are very focused around the guitar. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely, I was able to focus more around the guitar on this record, but it still isn't 100% what Fall Out Boy is about. There's a song, uh, which is the last song on the record, West Coast Smoker. You get to do some cool guitar solos. Yeah, it's awesome. I mean, like, it was exciting for me, like, as far as, like, you're talking about, like, me wanting to do more guitar stuff, but having to hold back. It's cool because, like, I've learned to hold back, which is really good. I think it's good to put a leash on yourself and not to go too crazy because I think, like, it can get boring to listen to somebody, like, shred at, like, 190 beats per minute for, like, you know, eight minutes <laughs> long. That can get a little too much, and, you know, it, it, it's, it's good to simplify. It's good to hold back. The great thing is, like, because I've learned to hold back and because I've learned restraint, all the parts I came in with, the some of the solo esque stuff, some of the leads, they all really got used because I figured out how to use them appropriately. You're pretty much a rock guy, a self-described metalhead. <laughs> yeah, I suppose I am. Are you cool with a lot of Patrick's R&B leanings that he is increasingly employing on, on this album? I mean, how does a metalhead guy get down with those tracks? I think it's awesome. I think it, it, that gives me an opportunity to spread my wings as a guitar player and also I mean I love R&B and I love soul I am a metalhead and I'm a rock guy primarily but I mean I, I like to think I have a, a pretty wide array of musical tastes in general and I love that stuff and Patrick does it so well and he makes great nods to other to other artists within uh, the ideas he comes up with Patrick will admit like even though there is a a very uh, large R&B and soul influence. There's a metal influence within Fall Out Boy as well, and I think like Andy and I are able to bring that to the band. Patrick Moore not just allows, but wants it there. Well, there's always kind of a uh, chugging kind of wall of sound bed of guitars under the tracks, Absolutely. Which, which to me is very um, reminiscent of hardcore bands like Quicksand. Totally. Quicksand, even like sometimes I think about Helmet, yeah, it's a little more melodic than Helmet at times, but yeah, I like to. I always like to think about Helmet when that stuff comes in. A few years ago, you told me that some of your heroes were Kirk Hammett, Dimebag, Kerry King. Are you still listening to those guys, or is there anybody? Oh, absolutely. I also, I mean, like, I think I neglected to mention some of the greats like Tony Iommi and Brian May. I think especially like I've been listening to so much Queen lately, uh -huh. which. Uh, I've always loved Queen, but I've been listening to them a lot, and I think, like, I, I've wanted to try to kind of steal a couple Brian May ideas to use on this record. Hopefully I did and did it appropriately uh, without messing it up, you know, because 
it's a guy I respect a lot. But um, yeah, I love you know I love Metallica, I love Slayer, so many guitar greats. I, I love I love as far as like you know all the ones that have been in in great bands. I, I pretty much respect and love all of them. So, being that you are such a uh, metalhead, lover of hard rock, do you ever see a day where you might do something a little different outside the band, form any kind of side project, something like that? Yeah, I mean, I think that day will definitely come at some point in time when, uh, you know, Fall Out Boy is not on cycle, when um, all eyes aren't necessarily on Fall Out Boy at the moment. I wouldn't ever do that while we're on a record cycle. I would never, like, do that to myself and do that to the rest of my band. But um, there's things I am working on and have been working on for years with other people. You know, eventually I'll put it out there. Eventually I'll release it, and uh, hopefully people will like it. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, that's basically it. <laughs> you guys have a very strong relationship with your fans. They're quite loyal. They've always been there for you. Have any fans gotten an advanced preview of the new album? Have you been getting reactions? We haven't had the chance to preview the album for anybody just because we literally, like got master copies FedEx to us a day before we left for this European tour. Oh, boy. So, we, yeah, we never even got a chance to do, like, a listening party or anything. It's funny, like, because obviously I don't care. It's on iTunes. Right. And then we uh, had first slide into Cooperstown on a bad bet, which is such a mouthful. Uh, <laughs> is, on, is, is, on, is on iTunes. I think, in general, you know, I, I like to read people's reviews, you know, their user reviews. I like to read what people say on websites like Absolute Punk on their message boards and, you know, just different mediums for uh, reading what people have to say. It's There's mixed reviews. I think overall pretty positive and people like the direction we're going, but still I think a lot of people still see and hear Fall Out Boy within these new songs. Um, I would love, I can't wait to hear what people say about the record as a whole. You know, I, I really am excited. I would love to play it for our fans. So talk to me about the single you guys did a while ago, your cover of Beat It. That was fantastic. Oh, thank you very much. Yeah, um, we just kind of like, we were doing it live just for fun. And then when we were putting out the, uh, when we were putting together the Live in Phoenix DVD, we decided kind of last minute to just record a version of it to kind of have as a, as a little bonus material on the DVD. Uh, people seem to like it a lot, and we got a... John Mayer to do kind of his version of the uh, the Eddie Van Halen solo on there, which is which is cool. Now, why didn't you and do I, it? You, you on the I remember on the last record there were a couple solos, and you had some of your friends do the guitar tracks. And on this one, you have John Mayer. Not that he's a not that he's not a good guitar player, but you yeah. know, here's your moment. I think like uh, not really. I think like you know, I think I'm able to you know use. I'd rather. I like using our new record as my moment to show a little, to show a little more uh, versatility. I think at the time, at least what I, none of us knew what he was going to do. And we thought, I think like at least I thought he was going to like straight up do the Van Halen solo, right. which I just can't play. That's a fucking hard <laughs> solo to play. I just, I've attempted it and uh, there's some very difficult tapping on there. And I uh, wish I could, but I can't. And I'm sure there's plenty of guys out there playing 190 beats per minute, you can do it. But um, yeah, uh, but then John came out with this killer solo, his, his own thing, and it's, it was cool. It's our way to do a collaboration with him, and he is known uh, very well as a great guitar player, so it's cool to have him do it. I mean, if there was nobody, you know, if there, I guess if that option wasn't there, I totally would have done my own version of it. 
or, you know, I mean, like me or Patrick could have switched off and done it. No, I mean, it just worked out that way. I think it's cool. I like it. What guitars did you play on the new record? You have your Washburn signature model, right? Yes. Uh, I used that a couple times on the new record. We used, um, we have this, I have this great Washburn uh, custom shop, Pilsen, that just, uh, it rips, and we've used that. We use that on Infinity as well as this record. Uh, you know, we use some Les Pauls, SGs with P90s and with, you know, humbuckers. We even use like a Rickenbacker or a Rickenbacker 12 string on oh, like nice. one song for yeah. like a moment for like a really small part. We had it in the studio and we were like waiting to use it for something. And then I had this like one kind of like little guitar riff and then we tried it on the 12 string and it just worked. Like really like very standard guitars, you know. Which guitars are you going to be playing mostly on tour? Probably my signature model primarily. Okay. And we actually, you know, what was, you know, there's a couple cool guitars I brought out that we used. What's that? Um, 78 uh, gold top with mini buckers in it oh, that nice. we used. Yeah. I thought that was really cool. And then uh, we actually ended up not using this guitar, but we tried a bunch and we just couldn't get like couldn't get to like work for anything. We, I had this like prototype of a Guild Brian May. Oh wow! They're like, yeah, I want to use it real bad. It just ended up not really working for anything. Why didn't it work? It didn't work for anything specifically. We had this like. For a lot of like leads, like honestly, um, Les Pauls or even like we had an Explorer that we had kind of turned out better for a lot of that stuff, just tone-wise with the amps that we had. I would think for that one song uh, called 27. It arm- would have been good for that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, it's, uh, something mi- there's something missing about that guitar, unfortunately, I think. I thought it sounded fine in my bedroom. But maybe you know, just didn't really work. We tried it. We just really we, couldn't uh, couldn't get it to do what we wanted it to do. Well, you know what the trick is. The Vox. Turn up the just crank the Vox. That and you have to play it with an English sixpence. Oh yeah, I wish I could do that. See, that's 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 <laughs> that is the trick. That's that, the trick that nobody can do. That's what you got to do. Well, Joe, thank you very much for speaking with me. It's been great. No, thanks for talking to me, man. I appreciate it. Absolutely. This is Joe Basso with Music Radar, the place for music makers, and I've been speaking with Joe Troman, guitarist with the band Fallout Boy. Much success on the road there. Thank you. And we will talk to you soon. Absolutely, man. All right, you take care. All right, you too.